You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Stephen Brooks from SpartanTailgate.com. Washington plays Michigan State with a 4.30 kickoff on Saturday. Weather expected to be in the low 60s for those coming into town, but uh, I think it's kind of the same for both teams, Stephen, in that preseason is over. The regular season is about to start Saturday afternoon. Absolutely. I know that's the feeling over here uh, with the Michigan State fans that I hear from on Twitter and our message boards and everything. I mean, and even just me, just, just sitting back and being a reporter, you know, like I, I want to find out <laughs> some things about this team that, that you just aren't able to get, you know, with all due respect for, from some of these first couple games with the level of competition, uh, I guess both teams have played. So, yeah, hopefully it's going to be a revealing weekend for uh, for Michigan State. Yeah, with Washington, you know, we're still getting used to the new coaching staff, but Mel Tucker, tell people just from the outside looking in, how's the adjustment been for Michigan State with Mel Tucker? Yeah, I think it's gone smoothly. I mean, uh, it's kind of hard to unseat Tom Izzo as like the most popular guy in town, but Mel Tucker's given him like a serious run for his money now. Uh, His approval rating, you know, is is through the roof, uh, I would say. People have bought in completely. Uh, you know, they, they have this phrase, Tuck coming, and you hear that all the time. You see that all the time uh, written everywhere. I mean, it's there's there's a lot of Mel Tucker fans here right now. So that'll happen, too, when you go 11-2, and two, win the Peach Bowl in your second year. Uh, you pull one of the best players in college football out of the transfer portal. So, but, yeah, to give folks an idea. So things had just, you know, Mark Antonio was here 13 seasons. He's the all-time wins leader. Uh, took the program, you know, I think to me, the legacy, his legacy is, you know, showing what's possible here because for so long that they were just kind of tripping over themselves and underachieving as a program. And, you know, that, that three-year run where it's two Big Ten titles, a Rose Bowl, a Cotton Bowl, and a college football playoff uh, really showed what the ceiling of this program can be at its best and when everything's aligned and people aren't infighting at the top levels of the university and things like that. Um, but by the end, if things had slowed down. Uh, the, the the shine had come off in a big way. They really did not capitalize on the playoff berth in a way that was sustainable and, and sort of kept them up there permanently. And, and so it was a sort of a slow decline. The talent had dropped off considerably. Uh, things had gotten stale. And, you know, it, it was a staff that just wasn't built to handle this modern era. And Mel Tucker's changed that in a complete 180. I mean, it's, he's injected energy. He's, he's as modern as they come when it comes to, you know, social media, branding, leaning into NIL, um, the marketing aspect of it. You know, he's always recruiting. He's a, that's, uh, recruiting is his thing. You know, it's not like a pain to him. It's not a side, you know, thing that, uh, to him at all. It's, it's number one uh, in basically every decision he makes. So by the, the way the D'Antonio era sort of fizzled out, uh, people were really ready 
for that that injection of energy and just a, a modern coat of paint on this whole thing. And he's brought that and then some. I'm going to try to kill two birds with one stone, uh, you know, try to satisfy some Seahawks fans. But we've yet to see Kenneth Walker up here for the Seahawks, but he's expected <laughs> to play this weekend. You know, first of all, what can the Seahawks fans expect from Kenneth Walker? And then in addition, how much did the loss of Kenneth Walker impact Michigan State? Sure. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the best. I've, uh, I've been doing this for, you know, about it, 10 years now. Um, and he's one of the best players I've ever covered by far. I mean, he's, he is special. It's, it's incredible what he can do with the ball in his hands, the combination of agility and power, quickness, suddenness. I mean, he's just so dangerous in the open field, but then you get him and, you know, he's got these tree trunk legs. Uh, he doesn't go down easily. you got to, you got to bring, you got to bring it uh, if you're going to try to get him down because he runs through arm tackles. But just, yeah, the the stop start. I mean, look, I, don't get me wrong here, folks. It, just trust. Do not get don't misinterpret this. He's not Barry Sanders, but there are Barry Sanders ish qualities to him. You know, that would come out last year again in terms of the stop start, in terms of the oh, gosh, he's going to take a three yard loss here. Oh, wait, what? Now he's what, wait, wait, where to go? Oh, 30 yards, you know, uh, for the to the end zone. It's just that type of, um, you know, magic, honestly. It's like you go in a cloud of smoke and poof, he's out the other end somehow, and it makes no sense. Uh, very, very special player. I would, I think he, uh, I think he's going to have a very nice NFL career. I think those, those folks should be very excited about what he can bring, uh, assuming he can stay healthy and everything. And so, yeah, he was all that for Michigan State. He was the all everything. He was the problem solver. He would get you out of trouble. He would make something out of nothing. He was their best weapon, you know, by far. And he allowed them to be a really not only explosive offense, but a really balanced offense because he was doing his thing on the ground, being an All-American and then quite honestly, making up for just a, what I would say was an average offensive line. You know, at best, um, he made them look a lot better, finished second in the country and rushing. And they were also just incredibly balanced off of that. Uh, they do have some good receivers and they were breaking in Peyton Thorne as their first year QB last year. Um, the play action game was as you would expect, extremely fruitful. Um, it's, it's best illustrated by they ran, I think, six flea flickers last year, I want to say, and scored on four of them, you know, and that's that's usually like a once-a-year type of play, maybe twice, and, and they, it just became a regular part of their offense uh, because he was he was that good, that dangerous. So everything stemmed out from him. The passing game, you know, branched off of him, uh, all their success. I mean, that's – and that's the thing. He elevated the team, elevated the program. He got Mel Tucker paid, you know, with a massive contract. Do <laughs> uh, you take Kenneth Walker off that team? That's a six-win team, I think, at best. And that's I'm not the only one that feels that way. Uh, I got a text uh, from someone inside the building the night they beat Penn State in the last game of the regular season to move to ten and two. And uh, the te- you know I got a text from somebody inside there that said, um, "I cannot believe we just won ten games with this roster." You know, and, and so we're, t- you know, they really only the, internally, if they were being honest, they really only thought they had about four or five, six dudes, you know, who would who could really step on the field against Ohio State or, or play at Ohio State. Um, so that 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 I think should illustrate just what Kenneth Walker meant to this team. He, he was a massive, massive part of, of their success last year. You know, let's take a look at that offense when, you know, if you're sitting up in the 50-yard line watching that game, drinking a beer, eating some popcorn, you know, give me a description of what the offense that we can expect to see on Saturday. Yeah, it's it's not dissimilar from what, like, everybody runs now. I mean, there's a lot of spread stuff, but there's there's a little more, I guess, uh, old-school-ish, you know, quote-unquote, like, um, pro-style stuff in there. Uh, they'll go pistol, they'll go under center. They really do want to run the ball um, no matter what. They want to stay balanced. They're not going to throw it. 
you know, 45, 50 times unless the situation really calls for it. They, they do want to remain balanced. Uh, so they're going to throw two backs at him. Jer- Jalen Berger, a transfer from Wisconsin. He's the starter. He's a little bit of a bigger guy. Um, not, not a power back necessarily. He's not like 230 or anything, but just the bigger of their two um, can, can, you know, he'll, he'll try to punch it up inside and, and get what he can in there. And then Jarek Broussard, a transfer from Colorado, is more a smaller, shifty, make you miss in space type of guy, a little quicker, I think. Uh, the offensive line, I have major questions about. I have all year, and and it, you know when I when I say this will be a revealing weekend for them, that's a group that's high on my list, you know, to watch just because they've you know they've they've held up decently against Western Michigan and Akron, and obviously this is going to be a different caliber of opponent. Uh, Peyton Thorns, our second year quarterback, um, he's he's had a very weird start to the year. Um, set the school record, single year touchdown passes record last year with twenty seven. And, uh, and he really won the job and really initially flourished by being just heady, smart, um, very, very disciplined with the ball. He's the son of a coach. His grandfather was a coach. So he's, his IQ's through the roof. Um, and he, he played like that. He took care of the ball. He never gambled um, in risky situations. He always made the smart play, even if that was taking the sack or running out of bounds, you know, whatever that is, he always did that. This year, he's been a little reckless. You know, he's been picked off in, in both games uh, twice last week. And his accuracy this year, you know, there's some mechanical things going on and his accuracy is just not what it was last year. So, so far, he has not taken the step that you would expect a, a second year quarterback to take, especially really the one he needed to take with the loss of Kenneth, Kenneth Walker. Um, and the other part of that is, you know, he's got a, a great complement of skill players. Uh, they're very deep at wide receiver. They got a preseason All-American in Jaden Reed, who he's a little questionable for this game. He left in the first half last week after uh, getting tackled on the sideline and, and sliding into a bench. And uh, apparently he cut his, he got suffered a cut on his back there. So I'm not sure if he'll play. I would lean toward yes, but I'm not, I'm not sure about that. They got a kid named Keon Coleman, who's a rising sophomore who is, you know, folks around uh, the program, just everybody's convinced he's a star in the making. He's six four, two ten. played basketball for Tom Izzo in the off season, you know, 40 inch vertical guy, a uh, triple-double regular guy in high school. I think he had a couple of quadruple doubles, just an athletic freak. Um, you know, it, lo- it looks, you know, has the build of a pro right now. So he's coming on. Trey Mosley's their number three. Uh, they're technically the number two, but really sort of sees number three targets. And uh, he's just solid across the board. He blocks, he runs good routes, he catches the ball and it comes his way. Not super explosive or, or you know, elite really in maybe any category, but just solid as heck. And they got a tight end group that they really like, uh, you know, for the first time, I think, uh, under Mel Tucker in this way, having this depth. Uh, and the, the two guys to know there for sure are Malik Carr, number six. He also played basketball on the side for Tom Izzo in the offseason. Uh, and he's just he's a prototype NFL body, 6'5", 245. And you talk about the athletic uh, background to play D1 basketball. He's He's got a lot of, of, of traits that, uh, that, that you can translate to the next level. And then Daniel Barker, number nine. Uh, Illinois transfer. He's a seasoned guy. Illinois career tight end touchdowns receiving records holder. Um, very much more of a receiving threat, but uh, an athletic dude that, that 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 can cause problems in the middle of the field. And they use them a lot of different ways. So that's sort of the rundown of the offense. Uh, as I said, you know, every, right now everyone's concerned about what the heck's going on with Peyton Thorne, and uh, I am, you know, I'm still a. Uh, very much skeptical of what this offensive line can be, I guess, would sort of be the big picture things. Yeah, with the quarterback situation, it sounds like some uneasiness and, you know, just kind of, okay, he's our guy, but uh, a little bit of nervousness there. Do they have a suitable backup or is he the guy or, you know, uh, you know, tell me a little bit more about that. You said backup quarterback? 
know, do you, is there a suitable backup waiting in the wings that fans are, uh, you know, yeah. wanting to play? Well, yeah, it's an interesting situation. Uh, there's, you know, there's the, there's the extreme fringe, you know, that was, that was in my mentions last week. Backup's always for, the favorite, right? Yeah. Calling for the backup. Noah Kim uh, is his name. He's a redshirt sophomore. He has not, he hadn't taken a snap until this season. Uh, he came in for one play uh, in week one when Peyton was, uh, Peyton got knocked out and had to go get evaluated real quick. And then he came back in after one play. And then uh, same thing. He got knocked out for a second in this game. Not like out cold, I mean, but just, you know, taken out of the game to be evaluated. Uh, and Noah Kim came in uh, for uh, finished that series through a touchdown and then got got his first couple like real series start to finish later in the game because they were winning. Uh, they ended up winning that one 52-0. So they were up so much. Uh, so to me, you know, anybody that's reasonable, I think, shouldn't should should be pumping the brakes and, you know, shouldn't be calling for a guy who's played like four series in his college career um, versus the guy who just set the school record for touchdown passes. But, you know, I don't think Peyton Thorne's done enough to just have the job for life either. You know, if he doesn't take the requisite steps uh, that he needs this year, then, then yeah, maybe we'll have more serious uh, considerations about it. But at this point, he doesn't have a backup that's nipping at his heels. I think the coaching staff definitely still trusts him, still believes in him. I definitely believe his teammates still feel that way. But look, I mean, he can't keep playing like this for much longer and, and have that be the case. Uh, the guy that's really interesting in that room is a kid named Kaden Hauser. Um, he was a four-star elite 11 kid, their, their highest ranked uh, quarterback recruit um, in like five or six cycles. And so he's the, you know, the young hotshot that he's a true freshman uh, that everybody wants to see. And um, there's been a lot of buzz about him, you know, just coming in as a, at a very, very advanced level. But uh, I think it would still take, um, you know, I don't know if as much as folks are curious about the future as they always are, and they want to see him. Um, I think if you're seeing a lot of him, you know, that means things have gone pretty, pretty bad for him for those top two guys. Uh, so I wouldn't expect them to get there yet, but that's sort of the dynamic in that room. Your hesitancy on the offensive line, is it an uh, experience issue? Is it a consistency issue? Is it a, a pass blocking, run blocking? And tell me a little bit about the size there as well. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of just a overall performance thing. I mean, it's it's been one of the program's weakest positions. As I When I talked about the decline of the D'Antonio era, this is one of the places where that sort of decay set in the worst. Um, for several, several cycles, they had – either bad evaluation or bad injury luck with some guys who just uh, couldn't stay healthy or had to retire, you know, at some point in their career, um, just straight up recruiting misses. And at the end of it, they basically just had a bunch of guards and centers. You know, they, they, they struggled mightily to uh, get real tackle types, you know, tackle body types, uh, people with that requisite length. Um, and so they're, they're basically just playing guards at tackle, you know, the last couple of years there. And so this has been a long-term rebuild. There's still, still is uh, that Chris Kapilovic, the O-line coach and Mel Tucker are trying to pull off you. They're, they're nowhere near done yet. Uh, and these are you know, most of these guys that they're starting now are holdovers uh, from the D'Antonio era, or uh, they got a transfer left tackle and Jared horse. So at their best, you know, I just see them as a, as a sort of a average middle of the pack, big 10 line. Um, I don't think there's anything beyond that. Either. There's, there's consistency to it in the run game. Uh, they, you know, they got to prove it. I think that, Last year, Kenneth Walker made them look a lot better than they are. They're they're decent. They're a pretty decent group in pass protection, um, and they, they've shown that this year. But it's just can they consistently uh, open up the holes, you know, that they need to open up, when, especially if they don't have an all all American Heisman Trophy candidate uh, back there. And uh, yeah, so it was a concern last year. It was a concern in 2020. It was a concern in 2019. It's it's been 
a shaky position for quite a long time. And uh, they're starting to get, you know, they've got a couple of young four stars that they just signed in the pipeline. Uh, they've signed big classes, at least four guys uh, in, in each of their first two cycles. And they're, they're on their way with some more uh, coming in the 2023 class, but it, it, that's just a position. that takes time. Uh, you can't just add water. And right now, yeah. I think, you know, and the other thing I should say is depth. They have basically one guy, uh, Brian Green, a Washington state transfer, actually. Uh, who's sort of their swing backup guy. Uh, he'll play either guard spot and center. And that's one thing Michigan State does that's a little unorthodox. They rotate uh, in offensive linemen. Um, you know, every few series, you might see a different uh, combination out there uh, just to keep guys fresh. And then they feel like if you're good enough to play, then, you know, you should be rewarded and get on the field there a little bit. So not everybody does that. But beyond Brian Green, you know, like I said, who's the one swing guy in the middle there for either, any of the three interior spots, uh, none of the backups really – none of them had any experience until this year. And so all the experience that some of these backup tackles have is, you know, a couple snaps against uh, Western or Akron. So uh, the depth is basically, you know, the proven experience depth basically is non-existent. As a fan or as a coach and it's third and three, are you more comfortable with uh, throwing the ball or handing it off? Mm. Uh, for me, probably throwing it. Uh, Cause I guess I think they can protect a little bit better than they can, than they can uh, get push at the line of scrimmage. And I just I like their weapons, you know, the tight ends that I mentioned could be dangerous in a lot of different ways. Uh, I'd like their top three receivers a lot. And then their fourth is Jeremy Bernard, who, who you folks will probably are, are familiar with. Oh, yeah. um, he's, he's been very, very productive. And he was one of the three or four guys you heard the most coming uh, all throughout training camp. So he he, he very, very much impressed uh, behind the scenes. And, and you're seeing that because he's playing, you know, basically a number four snaps, you know, among that uh, pecking order. So. Yeah, that's, that's the case there. I guess I would throw it just because I like the weapons better. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Move over to the defensive side of the ball. Give us an idea, you know, that uh, bird's eye view looking up at the stands. Tell me a little bit about this defense. Yeah, it's a base 4-2-5. Um, they, uh, this is a team that... Uh, that gave up more passing yards than anybody in the country last year. Um, and so the secondary, you know, is, is a question mark. And it's another, you know, that's probably number two on those areas where I talk about hoping to get some answers, you know, seeing a, seeing an offense like this and really being tested for real um, is something I'm going to be watching for, no doubt, because because they were so poor last year. And there was a lot that went into that. It wasn't all the secondary. Their linebackers were uh, underachieved in a big way against the pass and their pass, their pass rush, I'm sorry. Uh, would run hot and cold their, their sack total ended up being pretty good nationally but I believe they also faced if not the most they had like one of the five most uh, passing attempts in the country so their sack rate wasn't as high you know as as the total you know might indicate um, 
Yeah, so going uh, level by level, the D the D line has gotten much more um, athletic and explosive this year, particularly on the edges. Jacoby Winman is the guy to know there. A transfer from UNLV, they brought him in as a linebacker. Midway through camp, they realized, wait, this guy might be our best defensive end because um, he was a bigger dude anyway. He's listed at two fifty, and he had played a little bit of uh, the end uh, back at UNLV too, so it wasn't completely foreign to him. And then he comes out and has four sacks in his first game. Uh, I think two and a half more uh, last week and three forced fumbles last week. I mean, he's just been a, he's been a wrecking crew out there. Uh, he's been a real revelation and that's, he's given them that sort of consistent edge presence that they, that they lacked last year. Uh, their defensive tackles are very good when healthy. Uh, Jacob Slade's their, their most experienced guy. And he's just sort of a classic, you know, a run stuffer, you know, clog up the middle, just immovable object type of guy. Uh, he left the first half of last week's Akron game and didn't come back. Uh, Maverick Hansen, who's a who's a high snap um, backup at D tackle, he left the game with an injury. But uh, Simeon Barrow, number eight, is is, an, is their other starter with Slade, and uh, he's more of like the penetrator, disruptor, can get in the backfield, can get can give you some pass rush. Uh, they're just really hard to run the ball on. They have been for many many years, and a lot of it goes to that depth at defensive tackle. And now the edges, I think, have gotten a lot better this year with Chris Bogle, a Florida transfer, and uh, Jacoby Winman there. The second level, uh, they're more athletic as well. You're just across the board, they're more athletic. They're quicker on defense this year. Um, ben Van Sumeren uh, is a guy who was actually here last year, transferred from Michigan last offseason, uh, but didn't really play at all last year and really worked on his body this offseason and stopped looking like, you know, the, the 1990s sort of like a cowboy collar linebacker and looks more like the 2020, you know, sleeker, slimmer, modern linebacker. And, and he's moving really well. He's playing really well. Uh, Cal Halliday plays next to him. He was a freshman All-American a year ago. Um, definitely much better against the run than against the pass, but just a really instinctual guy, uh, really savvy. You know, doesn't look that big, doesn't look that athletic, but then he just knifes his way through these blocks, and, you know, he's making tackles at the line of scrimmage. Uh, in the back end, they're a little hurt at safety right now. Xavier Henderson, their starting strong safety, is out indefinitely, uh, and he's he's a four year starter. He's their main communicator, their main leader back there. He's been replaced by a guy named Kendall Brooks, who originally transferred in from Division two North Greenville in South Carolina. He's been really good so far. Uh, he's he was known as more of a hitter, but he's, he's pretty much held up in everything they've asked him to do. And he's he's forced fumbles in each of the last two games. So he's had a promising start and that fill in role. Uh, Angelo Gross is rather safety. He's a solid player, but uh Really good athlete, but sort of lacking in, in tackling and downfield coverage sometimes. The corners are Amir Speed, a 6'3 transfer from Georgia, started a couple games for the national champs last year. Um, the other one's Chuck Brantley, number zero, who's a feisty little undersized uh, skinny guy out of Florida, but uh, uh, he hits. You know, he's only about 160, 165 pounds, but he puts all of them to use. Uh, he's trying to take everybody's head off best he can, and he, he somehow packs some power for having such a small frame. Um, and so that, that's, that's the personnel. Uh, the pass rush, like I said, is much improved so far against inferior competition. The athleticism across the board is unquestionably higher. Um, still to be, to be determined, though, whether they've truly uh, made the necessary improvements, I think, in pass coverage against a, a competent quality passing game. Did you get a chance to watch the Seahawks Bronco game on, uh, on Monday night? Only a little bit on the side. Um, I saw Geno Smith have a nice game and, uh, you know, obviously finished that one off. Uh, I was a big fan of his in college. So that was cool to see. I know he sort of was toiling around the league there for a while, but uh, not not every snap, but just on the side a little bit. So if uh, it's if you got fourth and five, I mean, the 52-yard field goal, 
and Nathaniel Hackett is head coach. Is he going to let you run up four, fourth and five to get the first down, or is he comfortable kicking that 52-yard field goal? Well, with Michigan State, uh, so they got a freshman kicker, um, and then that's, tough to, that's tough to say, honestly. So true, true freshman named Jack Stone comes in from Texas, uh, Highland Park, you know, a uh, big school down there. And so, you know, I don't think he's going to be um, rattled by, like, crowds or anything, but his first attempt, uh, was just was was ugly you know I think it was 43 yards I want to say and it wasn't even close in week one um, they stuck with him and kept him in there for last week's game and I think he hit a, a 44 yarder um, and that was pure I mean that thing would have been good from 55 probably it was it was long and straight it was it was it was really good looking so uh, from you know so you got one and one you got one bad result one good result I guess I don't know what they would uh, what they were called for in that situation but that that's that's their deal. That's their deal there. Um, it is. So it is something to watch, you know, with a young guy on the road, uh, their punter is one of the best in the big 10, maybe the best in the big 10. He was second, all, second team all league last year. And the first team guy graduated, uh, I think he's like was second in big 10 history, uh, for like punting average or something like that. So uh, they're good there. And then their return game is pretty solid. Um, Jaden Reed, if he's available, I guess I should say it's, it's very good if he's available, if not, it's just solid. Uh, he returned two punts uh, for touchdowns last year. Had a couple of nice returns already this year. Had a touchdown last week that got called back on a punt return on a, on a holding penalty. Uh, he's their kick returner too. Without him, they're just okay. Um, but with him, they, they, that's a real asset. So that's another thing to, to be aware of, uh, you know, if he plays or what his status is. Michigan State fans are very familiar with Michael Penix. Mm-hmm. Tell, me, tell me your experience in uh, playing against Michael Penix. Yeah, so he came in here uh, 2019, and I believe he made—I believe he completed 20 straight passes. It's—it's it's like 19, 20, or 21. I didn't actually go back and look it up, but I—I I know the—you know—the I think the point stands regardless. Uh, yeah, he came in, and it was—you know—and they—they lost the game that year, which is—which is that's the game everybody remembers about him. But uh, Penix and the Hoosiers lost that one. Then they came back the next year. Nobody really remembers that performance as much, but that's the game they won and shut out Michigan State 24-0. But that 2019 game, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that that to me and everybody else, uh, I think, in the stadium that day was like, whoa, this is the coming out party. This guy's going to be a star. I think he was like a redshirt freshman maybe at that time. Um, we were like, man, this guy's going to be the next big thing in the Big Ten. You know, the, the, that's, that's the next big thing. It's not at Ohio State. And, uh, yeah, it was – but it was death by a thousand cuts. You know, the old Antonio defense, they played a lot of quarters coverage, so they were giving up uh, that, those flats. And, and as you guys have probably seen this year, the, you know, he's got such a quick release. He gets the ball out and, uh, and hits those timing throws so well that it was just four yards, five yards, four yards, five yards, six yards, three yards, all over to the perimeter, to the flats. And it was like, look, you're going to give us that cushion – we're going to throw it there and make you tackle us in space over and over and over. And the second you don't make a great tackle, you know, you know, that, that five yard gains now 15 or more. Um, and so that's really what he did uh, to them. And it, the score looked, it got lopsided because they got a, a last second um, strip sack or something or a fumble recovery for a touchdown uh, and brought that back. So it was really a one score game. They were sweating it uh, effectively until the end, but uh, that's what I remember most about him just, uh, very, very accurate, very comfortable in the pocket, and just you know, really dangerous on those those timing routes. And and they picked them apart. I mean, it was a smart game plan. And um, the, but I'm, I've also been reminding folks all week, like this isn't that same defense. Okay, it's not literally the personnel. Of course, are different, but it's a different defensive coordinator, different staff, different philosophy. Like I don't think 
they're just going to come in and try to do the exact same thing as 2019 and give give Penix the exact same looks, you know, that he was able to capitalize on. So I know folks here have, have strong PTSD when they see him uh, in the pocket, but I've been trying to remind them, like, look, it's I'm not saying that they'll have any more or less success. I'm not guaranteeing anything, obviously, but uh, it's it's not the same system that he's going to be going up against. How are you expecting this game Saturday to play out? Uh, it's, you know, I've been saying all off season, you know, with all due respect, I, I just didn't, I didn't think, uh, I didn't, I was very confident in Michigan State winning the game is what I'm trying to get spit out here. And the closer we've gotten and now actually seen some on-field results, you know, from both teams, I'm, I'm a little less confident. Um, you know, I, I hope to see a little better performance from that O-line, you know, to give you some confidence about the, them being able to go on the road and win a game like this. The more, the, the closer we get, it seems like, uh, I guess whichever secondary, you know, can hold up better. Because it sounds like I think Michigan State's going to be able to make some plays if Thorne can figure his stuff out and get right. It sounds like they're going to be able to make some plays in the passing game against sort of a, a weaker, younger, uh, you know, uh, defensive backfield at Washington. And as I mentioned, Michigan State was the worst in the country last year, and they haven't proven anything against a high-level passing game. So can, are they going to get shredded? You know, who gets shredded in the air? Um, I think is going to determine it. So I could see both offenses moving the ball pretty well between the twenties. And then, you know, maybe it comes down to, to a turnover in the red zone, a penalty in the red zone that, you know, turns seven points into three, something like that. Um, I don't know if Michigan state can run the ball, you know, the way they want to, then they're going to win this game. Uh, but I'm not confident in that, you know, based on what the offensive line has done, I wouldn't predict that yet, but if they can, then, then yeah, I think they're going to, I think they're going to handle business. So I think on, on uh, my Q&A with Chris, I think I did 31-21 Michigan State. Um, I, I do think that they're going to be able to pressure Penix in a way that he hasn't seen yet, um, just based on the level of competition early. I know he hasn't been sacked yet. I'd be stunned if that remains the case after Saturday, just with, with how Michigan State's getting after people. And uh, so I got I'm, right now I think they'll be able to rattle him enough, maybe force a key turnover here or there. And like I said, make enough plays in the passing game that uh, I think they'll be able to come out on top. But this is also a program that's 0-6 in West Coast uh, regular season games since 1984. Uh, they traditionally have not, you know, traveled well and done well in these different time zones uh, that are not bowl games. So there's a lot of history, you know, stacked against them at the same time. All right, Stephen. First of all, I'm going to use your uh, use your quote: "Who gets shredded in the air?" I'm I'm stealing that, <laughs> you know. But uh, hey, well, I do be a ground and pound game, though. As soon as I say that, you know, it's going to be who runs for more. You know, each team's rushing for 200 or something. It's it'll probably be dead wrong, of course. But but yeah, go ahead. Feel free to use it. <laughs> all right, Stephen. Thanks for jumping on with us, and you can check out uh, everything that they do over at Spartan Tailgate. Dot com, which is the Michigan State site for the 24-7 network. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.